the masters almost surely have a plan This clearly may be something near beyond the realm of man And until you thoroughly tested every last close trusted view I find the more you think you know, the less you really do That's true, Dr. Sayers Where would we be without THC? Side chatters, the idea of the elite abusing children is a conspiracy staple as old as time. From the Catholic Church to the Franklin cover-up, it's a commonly held understanding that some very uncouth actions go on behind the curtain, and that the rot is so deeply entrenched and these power players are so clearly above the law that we have to do our own investigations just to form any type of understanding on the issue. And in a world full of propaganda, hidden agendas, and well-crafted psychological operations against the populace, it's always good to be cautious, but if history is any indication, we also shouldn't be surprised when we do get a glimpse into the darkness, only to have the mainstream quickly work to contain it, pulling out all the dirty tricks they've been crafted to master for just such a situation. Well, as we get deeper into the digital age and the old rich elite get older and more technologically out of touch, it's my contention that we're in a very unique window of time where their deepest, darkest secrets are more at risk than ever. And the exposure of Pizzagate is the perfect example of what can happen in this unique and unprecedented era. Which brings me to today's guest, Ryan Zimmerman, the owner, administrator, and chief editor of the Pizzagate Wiki, one of the premier places for detailed information into the ongoing investigation of child trafficking and abuse among the elite class. Ryan knows full well that we've heard the Pizzagate 101 here on the Higher Side Chats, but he's here to give us the latest updates and detail some connections that researchers have found in the latest stages of the investigation that fill in missing pieces of the puzzle and expose the true scope of this international nightmare. Ryan, my man, welcome to the Higher Side. Ah, thank you. It's an honor, my man. Yeah, it's great to have you here. I really commend the work that you're doing because there's no profit in running something like the Pizzagate Wiki and a lot of risk. So when just getting by in this life is hard enough to see a person running something like this on the side just because it needs to be done, that's seriously respectable, man. And that's probably where we should start. So let me ask you, how did this unfold for you? How did you end up going from just a guy hearing about this scandal to being really on the forefront of publicizing the investigation. So yeah, I'm from Idaho, pretty backwater place, but <laughs> I have a full-time job and a family, but I listen to shows like this and actually was studying to be a MUFON investigator at the time. Hmm. But I started running into some issues with their organization in particular, where they have a lot of secrecy in their dealings. I mean, it's a great organization, don't get me wrong, but you couldn't exactly, if you did find something, you had to really keep it to yourself and give it to a chief editor, which I didn't have at my disposal. Hmm. And so in general, I found that I kind of, for any sort of investigation, no matter what the subject, we really had to go out and do our own thing, like what you're doing here with the show. Mm -hmm. Like people were really talking about it and getting the word out actually started making the bigger impact. So I was on Reddit. I frequently lurked Reddit. I pretty much never posted anything. And once the Pizzagate stuff started breaking, it blew my mind. 
I'm definitely a very scientifically minded, fact-based person. And we were seeing primary documentation that we had never seen in our entire, like a lot of us tinfoil hat wearing conspiracy theorists had never seen before in our lives, really. <laughs> you hear enough rumors and stuff, you know? Yeah, it's true. But they wrote this stuff. This was sent between people. They go to these things. The facts became staggering. And then once you started seeing the suppression effort, it broke my heart. Yeah. Basically, when Reddit took down the subreddit there, they took down citizen investigators as well, a lesser known subreddit at the time, and Operation Berenstein, which had a very similar concept. Hmm. And you saw them get totally washed away, unheard of. And YouTube began suppressing it. So almost within a few days, I joined what was called the Pizzagate Review. That was kind of the first wiki that really established on the subject. Hmm. I mean, and I was just like a pretty small contributor there. What interesting emails and information I could post, I did. But something happened there, which kind of shocked me, where... We started getting all kinds of weird spam and typical wiki DDoS attack stuff that you would see from some, like you, anyone could make an account there. You didn't have to verify an email, all kinds of stuff, security holes everywhere. Mm -hmm. So you saw it go down and the owner refused to contact any of us who were contributing at the time, wasn't making sure there was backups. He contacted me almost every day up until we started getting spammed. So once he stopped talking to me, I was like, hey, there's something wrong here. How is it that everything is just getting shut down, like let go, like there's nothing here? When the people writing the pages and who are certainly researching the subject know the facts line up. Too many things are, are just out of whack here. Right. And so I just kind of had to do my part. I've been a web developer all my life. I mean, certainly I never ran a wiki before, but I thought, hey, this might be my one chance to really step in and do something, help people. I consider myself pretty objective. I don't subscribe to any political party. Like, I'm broke as a joke. I kind of just live my life like everyone else, but I want to do something with it. I want to help people. Yeah. And I think just organizing the information that people have worked so hard to collect is an important task. Like we should all be doing that. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, man. What a great uh, little introduction there. Tangent. Sorry. No, no, it's absolutely cool, man. I totally commend you for doing what you're doing. And that is awesome. And it does go to show that especially in the digital age, one person can make a huge impact on something. You know, you don't need right? a, a lot of money. You don't need a lot of influence. You just build it and they'll come because the Internet is for the moment seems to be fairly open as long as you're off the major controlled corporate sites. Yeah. And people who are afraid to say stuff and afraid to talk out and especially with all the censorship and stuff, just realize there is a huge community that's very similarly minded to you and is willing to talk and research these things. You just got to kind of look for it sometimes. It's not front page news. You're not going to go to Reddit anytime soon and find it, <laughs> but it's out there. Right. There are people every day. Yeah. 
It's nuts. You got to dig a little bit, but it's also easier than it's ever been. I can't imagine trying to do this in 1980. <laughs> you know, the containment would just be ridiculous. But to uh, get into the actual material, of course, I don't want to spend too much time on what we already know because there's so much new info that I want to get to. But I think we all know this saga starts with the WikiLeaks exposure of John Podesta's emails where a food-based code was being used quite often, which matches up with codes the FBI claims refers to young kids, cheese, pizza, hot dogs, walnut sauce, etc. Right. From here, we learned about the creepy and well-connected party place Comet Ping Pong in Washington, D.C. and its owner, James Alephantis. Then after coming through his Instagram, we've seen... Many highly suspect comments and images that expose him as a pretty obvious freak. Kids with their arms bound, strange chambers with no windows with the comment hashtag kill room, these sorts of things. We also found out Best of Pizza on the same block has a known pedophile symbol as its logo. So when you read between the lines, a picture definitely begins to form of the political elite trafficking and abusing children through this little network and hidden code. And I think that's pretty much the cliff notes to what most people know about Pizzagate at this point, wouldn't you say? Yeah, and it's because, honestly, that's the most well-documented public example we have in this day and age. I mean, we all know. I mean, you can hear about Mark Devlin talks about it. This kind of stuff has been happening forever. You even said in the intro. Mm -hmm. It's kind of as ancient as power itself, creepily enough. Right. But this case is – it's one of the first times where outside of FOIA releases and controlled CIA dumps and FBI dumps, as cool as those are, like they, they're controlled and mostly redacted. Right. This was raw, uncensored craziness. And I mean even – say as much as I know WikiLeaks did not get their emails from Russia, nor would it matter. But I mean that's that's what they said. You can't – the lines match up. That's where these are the organizations they run. Mm -hmm. I mean, people connected James Alephantis, for instance, with Pegasus Museum. I mean, he indeed owns and runs that as much as for whatever <laughs> strange reason he wants that secret. But we know in, like you said, this digital age, somehow we can find all this information totally for free mm -hmm. just by digging, breaking a little sweat, right? asking a few questions. And kind of, you know, you got to be safe out there and don't harass anyone. That's important. I haven't, you know, by all means, I haven't had to harass anyone to do this, but it's out there. They have to have building records, you know, they have to have bills have to get passed and certain individuals have to sign those mm -hmm. and certain companies have to disclose donations to campaigns, you know, like we can find enough on our own. Right. Right. If you look. And that is what's so great about this. And you sent me several areas of new and more advanced research. Let's start with the disappearance of Madeline McCann. A lot of people know that this has been related, even in the 101 stuff. But let me also add, in your email to me about this girl's story, you write... I feel that this page alone epitomizes exactly why we gather together on this subject. This case is completely and utterly strange and includes everything from John Podesta being less than a third of a mile from Madeline the day she disappeared 
Suspect profile suppressed by the family until they became public. And guess what? They look exactly like John and Tony. And the even darker gene trafficking subplot related to the mysterious and historically mythic defect present in Madeline's eye. Interesting, man. Walk us through the uh, details of this particular story, this Madeline case. Like I said, it has every level of strangeness that someone could find worth researching or exploring or refuting, however they want to do it. Just look into it. But yeah, start at in 2007, Madeline McCann disappeared from a resort in Praia de La Rue, Portugal. Really small, ritzy kind of place where I guess only the elite sort of party at, which the McCanns were definitely friends with. And she goes missing around May, I believe, May 2nd. And from here, it is known as the most publicized sort of missing child's case that's happened, especially in our recent age in the 21st century. And the facts were amazing. So researchers went like mad to find this wealthy family's kid. They found 33 suspects were questioned and no one ever really was found to truly fit the bill we found now recently all the way up in 2015 and 2016 amazingly we find that the family was actually deliberately suppressing the investigation which you have to wonder i mean why like i would die for someone to find my kids you know like it would be like Mm -hmm. you do see these parents all the time out there looking in fields and stuff and you gotta wonder why they would worry about things like the profile image which just happens to look like i said tony and john podesta it's definitely debatable but quite coincidental because as it would turn out yeah they were staying at clement freud's resort a third of a mile away which is weird on that date specifically. And then kind of even a deeper bit on that in the WikiLeaks emails, John Podesta's email specifically, you'll see a time gap during that. I want to say they recorded his emails for like six years or they have, you know, a solid record for six years. But during May 2nd, 2007, when she went missing, you see a hole in his communications. Suddenly when they resume back up, I think sometime in June, there's just a flood of like no reply sent errors. Just like a flood, page upon page of them. And you got to wonder why these are happening. Well, I mean, I've worked in websites, I've set up plenty of new accounts, delete, you know, worked in this field before. Even from my experience, I can tell you that's usually what happens when you have deleted an address and then reconfigured a new web mail address for that, or web mailbox for that address, I should say. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you got to wonder why this guy's all of a sudden scrubbing his email and getting new email addresses at this date, too. Stuff we haven't found out till way after the fact, but I mean, obviously, this case is still unsolved. It's hugely important. And if you want to go into the genetic stuff, it gets really crazy. Yeah. But there is a little bit of everything in Madeline's case. And I think it's worth all keeping in mind. Mm hmm. I definitely want to get into the gene stuff, but before we do, uh, something else I thought was interesting is you do have a well-defined and bullet-pointed timeline of this entire case, and one that I liked, I thought was interesting, was in uh, 
2010, you say the McCann spoke with Ray Wire, a pedophile expert who was on the guest list at Elm Guest House, a notorious pedophile brothel, said that he knew Madeline had been abducted by a pedophile network. That is interesting. And then apparently the parents released a plea to then Prime Minister David Cameron when the Portuguese police were the ones who shut down the inquiry. A year later, they actually smashed a trafficking ring that was snatching young women up and underage girls in uh, Portugal. So it's interesting, like in 2010, the Portuguese police are trying to shut down an inquiry. A year later, like they were like, wow, we got to do something. Oh, man. 2010 is a crazy year if yeah you keep looking like it's just weirdness all around but yeah particularly the mccanns they seem to know a lot they seem really interested in keeping details away from people there was i got breaking news today as well that there was a successful lawsuit where they tried to an investigator wrote a book on them saying they were suppressing the investigation they tried to sue him for defamation something like that that was liable or the book mm. was fake, but it was upheld in court. So, I mean, obviously the, the justice there thought they're up to something yeah. and the research was valid. It seems the case is pretty strong. And you got to wonder why then would you willingly sort of let your kid be missing? What importance is that to you? And, you know, you get into a lot of questions there. <laughs> yeah. I, it's definitely interesting all around, but that particular little uh, chapter I thought was worth a mention. But I do have to know more about this gene trafficking subplot. What is this about? Okay. Yeah, right. So, I mean, you've been on vote. You've, you've seen the post. Yeah. But people are all, all in a rage about this really bizarre – I mean, I got to admit there is definitely validity – this the prevalence of coloboma as it's called this defect of the iris where it's sort of like not formed correctly so you get like a hole more or less mm -hmm. looks like your pupil is i mean yeah definitely just disfigured and people like that can live healthily and be just fine madeline mccann had it the parents that was one of the details that they, strangely enough, kept away from investigators, which you'd think that such a unique defect would then have brought them closer to find it. Like, that's a great profile on a missing child, you know, mm -hmm. something that unique. So you, people started looking more into coloboma. What does that mean? What does it have to do with things? I mean, I guess there was some like some Norse Viking lord, warlord or something who had it in his eye and it was historically known as snake in the eye. Right. And so I guess among Nordic peoples, that's what it's called. And he claimed it gave him like, it was some relation between him and Ouroboros, I would believe. Yeah. The Ouroboros is uh, that symbol of a snake eating its own tail. Yeah, Fenrir, I guess, is the actual wolf god. But you know what I'm saying, the beast that devours the world at the end. Mm -hmm. So there's this guy. Coloboma does have some significance to the elite, I guess, is where you could trace that to being. Right. So I wanted to read some comments from Vote, which you have on your wiki as well, that give better details about this condition. So it says, this condition has been called snake in the eye, and it affects several genes in the eye called Pax genes. 
And it goes on to say that the PAX6 gene is significant because it is the piece that connects our ocular system to the pineal gland. Also, many of James Alephantis' Instagram pictures of kids have the comment, hashtag Karis James. Yeah. Now it gets a little weirder. I googled Karis. Guess what comes up as the first result? Congenital Anomaly Register and Information Service, or Karis for short. Yeah. It seems like he's tagging children with congenital anomalies. They all have the coloboma eyes. Now, the reason Madeline's eyes keep changing is because she was possibly cloned and the public sympathy garnered subconsciously ushers in acceptance for the practice. Yeah. Yes, indeed, they are looking for particular genetics to clone. They want Aryan, and not in the sense of blonde hair, blue eyes. It has more to do with neoteny, which is when the physiological development of something is slowed or delayed, and also a particular bloodline which harbors congenital mutations within the PAX genes, such as the Ouroboros eye. Hence, they pick children with this distinction because it must have something to do with a deeper agenda. Jesus, man, this could be a pretty important piece of the puzzle. I mean, yeah, you gotta wonder why. It's so nondescript. You'd think an iris defect, what would it have relation to? And so, like, yeah, to this day, I admit I'm skeptical of its connection to things. But you have to admit it's crazy how many times these kids with that pop up in these pictures in a short period of time. The wiki's gone through and disproven that a lot of the children could have been like exactly the same child Mm -hmm. because of dates and times and whatnot. But like you said, there's then, I mean, I can't then argue against the cloning subplot because as much as I think that's pretty high strangeness, a lot of these kids have remarkably the same feature. It'll even appear in the same eye and with the same colors Hmm. and stuff to where when you start to mathematically deduce it all, the probability of rounding up these kids or, you know, finding all these persons like that or having them consolidated to these 1% sort of families is mind blowing. Yeah, man. I mean, you got to wonder then why that's so important to people. I guess there is something there. It's definitely being researched, though. Right. I mean, the connection or the idea of a connection to an Aryan bloodline, I just think, is uh, super provocative. And the idea that these PAX genes are involved and that the PAX6 gene is what's supposed to be related to the pineal gland, which just also gets into altered realms and like MK Ultra kind of stuff that they might have been doing and trying to find people that have a, a susceptibility to going into those realms. It could get very weird at that point, but I like exploring it. I mean, obviously, I don't want kids to be hurt, but this is an angle that is pretty fascinating. Yeah. I mean, and then again, it's like when you try to, as much as you want to be rational and then say, you know, dismiss it, the probability starts to stare you in the face and you're like, but why? Why? Why is all this coming together? Exactly. And another bullet point I had written here is that uh, Madeline McCann was actually born via IV fertilization, in vitro fertilization. And that might be insignificant, but it also could be interesting from the perspective of genetic engineering or that her parents were in on this plot from the very beginning of this child's birth. Weird stuff, but it could tie into that. 
right? I mean, and I definitely think we're at the stage in medical advancement where if you have the resources, you can get certain traits. Yeah. You know, especially at that stage in in vitro, like you said, that, I mean, that's what it's ideal for. I mean, by all means, it's certainly in the realm of possibility. It's not that strange, believe it or not. Mm -hmm. So, okay, if we wanted to move on from there, I also wanted to talk about what is probably the biggest added piece to the Pizzagate saga, and that is what you referred to in your email to me as the new private military and its role in Pizzagate. To set the stage, <laughs> let me uh, read from your email again. You say, through exhaustive research, we have found incredibly compelling connections between major private military corporations and agendas of epic proportions. Our DynCorp page is the most visited and easily the most controversial page on the entire wiki, and itself was the target of a large and sophisticated cyber attack, which may be traceable to DynCorp themselves. We've proven Jeffrey Epstein stole or was authorized to use the State Department DynCorp aircraft's tail number for a single mysterious flight. We have also solidly connected DynCorp to sex trafficking and abuse of minors in at least three other countries, among the worst being in Bosnia. So this is getting intense, man. What can you tell us about DynCorp and their involvement specifically? Okay. So, yeah, I mean, and even since I wrote that email to you, the amount of material I've covered is just staggering. Hmm. But basically, you'll see DynCorp and Stratford as well as others represent this trend where the military, since the end of like where they could keep things totally classified, have since privatized a lot of their industries and sort of efforts. Mm -hmm. And basically what that has done has shielded them from any sort of investigation further and has even made that stuff more secret. Now we see special access projects, stuff like that, where these private companies have kept things out of the hands of even the president. I mean, none of us have a lot of access to any of what private companies do. And as it turns out, they run a remarkable amount of our military industrial machine. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you've seen the DynCorp page, but I have statistics at the top. It's pretty incredible. Like they maintain 80% of NASA's fleet. Wow. And I mean, they are agents in securing presidents overseas. Like the president of Afghanistan is personally protected by DynCorp and stuff like that. These are big-time guys. They've been around, even lesser-known fact, they've been around since 1946, oddly enough. They were involved in the Iran-Contra scandal. They literally were, Jesus. I mean, the private contractors who were involved in the distribution of arms. They flew planes back then, so that was sort of their involvement in it. But, I mean, just this company, who has had notable support from the federal government, and especially the Clintons, but not just the Clintons. But the government, for whatever reason, loves these guys, keeps giving them contracts, gives them more money. They ask for more money every year and fail to meet their goals, fail to make progress, get, get accused of trafficking, get caught in trafficking scandals. And now we found like five countries, I think, as opposed to three that I sent you. Hmm. And countless more in terms of human rights and various violations, but they just keep raking in the money. Mm -hmm. Can you 
maybe break down some of their agenda by country or what what are they doing in a couple of these countries so probably the most known case we have was bosnia in the 1990s so when president bill clinton was running the united states and basically you had two completely independent members of their company who worked there who began to find Catherine Belokovich, I believe, and the other name escapes me, but it's definitely on our site because, I mean, it was amazing. They both found different employees who were buying and selling children, not just having sex with them, but bragging about it with employees and even like selling. They get so brazen as to sell the videos of it, too, to the populace. Wow. As sort of a form of psychological control. Because mm-hmm. it turns out DynCorp, especially between the 90s and early 2000s, had diplomatic immunity, which is crazy in a lot of these countries. So they couldn't be prosecuted even if they were caught, which is just nuts. But that's why they, they would commit these acts, be brazen about it, didn't really have any shame. But two particular whistleblowers just had enough stood up, said something about it, got fired over it, successfully countersued, which again, when you successfully get something over like that in court, I mean, obviously the judge is standing with Catherine Belokovich, something happened there, and the evidence is staggering. And it's a pattern of behavior which exists far past Bosnia. So, I mean, another well-publicized case of DynCorp specifically, this also will involve the Clintons directly, but the Kunduz Dancing Boy case, I mean, probably a lot of people heard about this in the news in various forms. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's a pretty well-publicized one with some dark... <laughs> dark implications. Yeah, because, I mean, the public story, the thing everyone was told to be told, a boy was paid by... Corps employees to dance for some Saudi Arabian diplomats in Afghanistan. And he was dressed in a t-shirt and jeans, and it pretty much was a tribal dance, and that's how it went. But it turns out, through WikiLeaks and various other sources, we found, I mean, that story was straight up covered up. I mean, it directly involved Corps. They did more than just buy, quote, they purchased uh, services from a child quote is like literally what's in there right but they also purchased drugs and crazy stuff like that and were possibly giving the boy drugs which is just beyond insane and it does say specifically lap dances in uh, one of the emails Uh uh-huh and the uh afghan diplomat you'll see a we link a cable as well from wikileaks where he asks he sends it to the state department and he's like please don't reveal details on this it's dangerous People's lives could be at stake. And so especially certain details here where he names like the boy and the drugs. And yeah, huge, huge portions of this case were just overlooked. And obviously no one was prosecuted, which is just mind boggling. But that's a pattern of behavior. Definitely. And these huge companies have so many subsidiaries, it could be tough to get a handle on. But this was a tangent I thought was worth mentioning. You say a lesser known DynCorp sister company known as DynPort Vaccine Company would also be involved in several scandals and controversies itself. For instance, in 2001, 
Dineport would be awarded a contract to produce an anthrax vaccine, which they failed to complete. Yet early in 2002, the founder and CEO of Porton Down, which is the port in Dineport, would be convicted of selling anthrax to Saudi Arabia without consent from the Department of Defense. Dineport partner Baxter International was also involved in at least eight different scandals themselves, including contaminated vaccines and infecting patients with hepatitis C. I mean, damn, that seems pretty important right there, man. Yes. So, I mean, into the genetic subplot, uh, right? I mean, who knows what these biomedical companies are doing with all this power and money. They just get more and more. And Cerberus Capital Management, who owned DynCore, also owned Talacris, is what it was called, a biomedical research company which ripped people off for blood plasma and made over a billion, a billion and a half dollars scamming Mexicans out of blood plasma. While they were owned by basically this DynCore or Cerberus-owned DynCore and this company at the same time. So again, there's like a sort of a big string and pattern of behavior. While we want to look at the pizza restaurant and these facts that stick out to us as being really obvious and just crazy, there is a big underlying pattern. It's industrialized pretty much, this whole biomedical terror organization, more or less. I mean, because we could keep going on about Dineport vaccination companies specifically, but like you mentioned, the anthrax thing mm-hmm. ties into that. I mean, that's a mystery that's still unsolved. No one knows who sent the anthrax to U.S. federal employees, but there's a lot of good theories out there. And this is, I guess, my little input on that because those are facts. Mm-hmm. Like some of these things, you can't take away primary documentation. That's what's the best thing about it. <laughs> hmm so yeah, Dineport, I mean, yeah, we could go on for the medical stuff, but they they have a lot of sister companies which are involved in these sort of really shady, I mean, everything from orphanages to biomedical research in foreign countries, which, I mean, why does, why? <laughs> when they're being investigated, all kinds of things, you know? Right. But that's how the scheme works. That's how they keep it secret, and that's how they just keep the machine going. Right. And then there's uh, another group you had talked about with me called Stratfor. Yeah. Here you say uh, you refer to Stratfor as the shadow CIA. And you say they uh, had several famous references to pizza related code words, including the $65,000 hot dogs email mentioned by me and David Seaman in that previous show. In addition to international criminal and spooky activity galore, their employees openly talked about pedophilia and one, Bayless Parsley, is blatantly outed as being a pedophile in an email regarding a pedophile bust. President George Friedman has made comments about minors which even make his colleagues cringe. For emphasis, here's a quote from founder and president George Friedman. Find a school and see the children leave at the end of the day. You want the schools where there is pushing and shoving and where older brothers come to walk their sisters home. You are now where you should be. Look at their shoes. Look at their cute little skirts. Invite them into your taxi and give them a ride home. Then go back to their house every day to watch them. Yes, watch their geopolitical little bodies. Excellent. And uh, yeah, that doesn't sound good, man. But let's, I guess, get into some details about Stratford. What more can be said? So yeah, 
Strafford's been talked about that shadow CIA thing that isn't my quote was taken from a bigger article. I mean, yeah, I don't have it in front of me right now, but definitely they are uh, an interesting organization. It'll find in WikiLeaks's global intelligence files. Those are all Stratford emails. And so from there, we've been able to find quite a bit more interesting fun facts on sort of their internal operations, what kind of spooky stuff they do, what kind of things they keep secret. The fact that they know way more than you would think. A lot of the detractors from my posts on Stratford have just been like, they're desk jockeys. They're just in the office kind of people who paper push and make articles. And while that is half true, I mean, they seem to know, like, I don't know if you've seen the bit on Osama bin Laden's body and stuff like that, but that just put in context for me how they had just a bizarre level of, I don't know, security clearance and knowledge of events that I think they're a little bit more than your average contracting company. Hmm. And the CIA definitely depends on them for a lot more than I think there is credit for. You can find in their emails, there's definitely some weird stuff going on. We got a little bit of every, the $65,000 pizza and hot dogs is a good example, which is not allowed at the White House. But also, you get how to thinly slice a single piece of pizza. Like, what the hell was that? That's a strat for email. It doesn't even make any sense whatsoever. And I found also that they just kind of had a history of sort of using pizza as a code word. It was almost jokingly around their company for things unrelated to Pizzagate and so far as we know, but like they tested credit card pages under the pizza code name and like used weird labels for their transaction reports from that site. Like one was called Pizza with Horses. Hmm. And that was the list of paid subscribers, more or less, that went to that particular page and paid for it. Something to that degree. I can't, you know. But obviously, they were using weird code words for quite a bit of time. And so you got to kind of wonder then why they have all this fascination with pizza and all these jokes about pizza. <laughs> and for them, it's a completely different word than it is for us, you know, historically speaking, even. Absolutely. And do you think there's a little bit more to say about Stratford before we move on, or should we go to the next group? I mean, really, there's just a lot of good emails and the spooky stuff they do. I've contributed to our.wikileaks and have posted some of the better WikiLeaks emails on there. Mm -hmm. But really, in the end, we put our money, government puts a lot of money into some strange places, <laughs> is sort of the narrative there. Right. And you got to wonder why they just keep shoveling it out. Like it's they don't let it go. They just keep giving them more and it's or they just make more sister companies is the theme. Right. So far. Sometimes when I hear about this stuff it's just like, man, if we actually just used tax dollars for improving infrastructure and energy and just the simple things that a community needs, it's kind of crazy how little we'd actually have to pay. But when companies like DynCorp and Stratford are actually, I think earlier there's, I have a, a thing you say DynCorp lost a billion dollars of State Department money and then they covered that up. Like, this is pretty crazy. There's even a case of them doing the accounting where the Department of Defense lost $2.3 So that's not on there yet, but that's definitely something to look at. Like, they are for a lot more money even. 
like mind boggling. Yeah. And like I said, that came after those previous scandals. They were still then allowed to be accountants for the government. These people do some shady shit. And you, <laughs> why would you just be allowed to roam free? Get like be half the military. Crazy stuff that just. Whew. Yeah, it would be nice to see a, a house cleaning eventually, but who knows? Oh yeah, right. Wouldn't that be something? <laughs> we're working on it. Yeah, you are for sure. So this brings us to the third group uh, we wanted to highlight here, and this is Deagle. Here you write. Not only do people still debate whether or not they even exist, though they have a website, but the Pizzagate wiki has undeniably proven that their intelligence is used by Stratfor and even brought to briefings for the President of the United States. Almost nothing is known about the actual organization's activities, but this is published on their website and is taken seriously by members of intelligence. Now, this actually gave me chills, man. This feels like a pretty serious bombshell, and it's a... Uh, very numbers heavy, so people pay attention. But this report says United States of America projected changes from 2014 to 2025 with a profile for 2013 and another for 2025. It says 2013 population, 316 million. Forecast 2025 population, 69 million. A reduction of 247 million people. Gross domestic product 2013, 17 trillion. Gross domestic product 2025 projection, less than 1 trillion at 921 billion, reduced by what? Almost 95% there. GDP per capita 2013, $52,000. GDP per capita 2025, 13. Military budget 2013, 729 billion. Military budget 2025, 8 billion. So these numbers are pretty scary, man, and they indicate some massive, massive decline in U.S. population and economic activity. Granted, the conspiracy world is always kicking this can down the road, but nevertheless, it's pretty eerie, man. Tell us more about Deagle. What have you uncovered? Yeah, so I mean, it's one thing when us tinfoil hat people are like throwing that around, but this <laughs> this company apparently is taken pretty seriously, and those are mind-boggling stats. Like, that's not like some people got sick. I mean, it's nuts. Like, it's that's a huge shift. We looked through the entire list of countries that Deagle provides, and what's interesting you'll find is other countries don't have this problem. Apparently, whatever America's going to have. And the only mm. other ones that do, interestingly enough, are the United Kingdom gets cut by pretty much the same percentages. Japan, and I believe Germany, is pretty close. Wow. The whole European power block. Yeah, the rest of the world does just fine. So, Deagle is making a pretty stark <laughs> claim there, you know, and... We did find they are, they have been, at least in the past from what we can find, have been in presidential briefings before, and they are frequently used by Stratford. So you got to wonder then how they know what they know, you know? Th yeah. Those are, they don't really have sources for those claims. There's a big blurb on the bottom of their forecast site that tells you they're not a, literally quote is, we're not a death cult, I believe. What? Yeah, yeah, straight up. You'll see it in tiny pink text. It's a huge portion on that page. But it says, we're not a death cult. This wasn't meant to like bring hype or hysteria. 
But basically what will happen is those populations in that industry will move, which I don't know about you, but I didn't <laughs> plan on moving to China in eight years or something. So no. what the fuck? <laughs> you got to no. want how did they don't really validate those claims, but they are in touch with something. And that just <laughs> blew my mind. Just right. Ugh. 247 million people aren't going to die, little Timmy. They're just going to move over to China. Right. Like, what a sad... They're going to go off to the farm. As if that somehow gets us enthusiastic about it. Like, oh, great. Now I'm just going to be in some gulag. Oh, sweet. Like, I'll sign up. Thank you, Deagle. What I think is great, too, is that people are investing in this company. Like, they get big corporations behind them. And then for a forecast that they're going to be cut in eight years like that's not a very good thing to tell your shareholders that we're all gonna die not at all everything you've ever known is not gonna be there (laughs) so obviously they're on the pulse of something some community we aren't right they're either highly accurate or really severely overpaid (laughs) yeah uh yeah Uh, who even knows because i guess they actually do do manufacturing for aircraft parts so if they were that crazy i wouldn't want to putting me in the air right (laughs) makes you wonder jeez man so this kind of is a a little nexus between dicor stratfort and deagle between these three organizations is there more to say about what they got going on is there more um obviously these big companies they layer things and sub companies and front companies and it can be tough when you're talking about things they're doing in multiple third world nations but is there more that kind of surprised you or that you uncovered and you were like, wow, that's uh, that needs to be talked about? Yeah, definitely. Between the three specifically, I mean, just came down to how prevalent they are in the government. The fact that they, especially Stratford, especially, they're used quite a bit by the United States government for intelligence. And so these people are taken seriously by people with clearances of pay grades way out of our dreams. Mm-hmm. And also, from seeing that, kind of just how those three different entities worked, you can get an idea for the bigger picture then, like the corporate takeover or sort of the growing corporate industrialized military machine that is now not just the factories and the soldiers, as in Dyncor, but even in the intelligence, even. The orders that are or directives that are sent to the president are influenced by these private corporations. So you start to look more into maybe what they're related to, patterns and bigger groups they may belong to. And I mentioned earlier with like Cerberus Capital mm-hmm. and Veritas Capital, you'll find a lot of these organizations have the same owners, share the same executives. And definitely it's like I have several military people who tell me, and that's kind of a common thing. When you retire from the military, they just give you a private contracting job. So they sort of just pass these people around and everyone shares them. They're the same network of friends and they'll bail each other out when one gets in trouble. And especially keep things super secret from us by burying it in such a way. 
And we can't go FOIA, a corporation anyway, you know, which is crazy. Right. But even if you could, like WikiLeaks did publish everything on Stratford, we still don't know everything they're tied to. So it's been a huge part of our research and of finding out what they are tied to. You'll remember a quote maybe from Eric Braverman, the CEO of Clinton Foundation, who tried to whistleblow on them. He said, follow the money. So we tried yeah, doing that. And we came to their investors, particularly the executives is where we were focusing. And we'd find like, for instance, especially when DynCorp was owned by Veritas, there was a few other military companies, one in particular that they owned, that even while DynCorp was once being investigated by the government for all these claims, during that investigation, Veritas just simply moved operations to another company, proceeded as is. I mean, and everything went on for them just like any other day. It's kind of weird that you'll investigate the company, DynCor, but our government's not smart enough to be like, well, who owns you? <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, like, well, what are, what are they doing? So I, something about that's fishy. Mm -hmm. That's just kind of the way the beast works. Absolutely. And another uh, bullet point I had here that directly ties to Hillary Clinton on the subject of following the money is that DynCorp's parent company, Cerberus Capital Management, gave $40,000 to Hillary's campaign. And that's a direct link. And Cerberus Capital Management, I mean, let's take a second to uh, yeah. say what a name choice, right? <laughs> yeah, let's give them a bit, right? And they deserve it. They really earned it. It's kind of great because the founder regrets the name. <laughs> but I mean, honestly, look at it's like we want to talk about manifestation. <laughs> that guy pretty much it became that. You'll be amazed what Cerberus Capital Management does. They own CBS. They own the Google Maps, like the GOI hardware and software that goes into making Google Maps satellite imaging. They do. They have a lot to do with satellite imaging. So, like, these are the guys who are our perception of our own planet. Even you want to, for all you flat earthers, <laughs> here you go, go look for them. They're gonna have like, the data. <laughs> all right. They just own a staggering amount, and you you just think it's funny that individuals will get targeted and investigated, found with just gross, brazen criminal acts. Hmm. And then we don't really look any further into that. You said Cerberus donated 40000 to Hillary Clinton. Mm -hmm. I mean, but you think about it, it's kind of chump change to a trillion dollar company. But you wonder why it's, why then the chump change even? <laughs> so, I mean, we haven't quite found all the links yet, but you got to wonder then all the shell corporations that would have donated to her too. Or, I mean, <laughs> particularly maybe CBS's involvement, you know, mm -hmm. with helping her out. It's definitely a strange direct connection, but there's certainly more out there. It's just a huge web. Right. And another another part of that web I wanted to ask you about, maybe you don't know too much about it, but I did a show fairly recently with Joseph Farrell, who I really love, and he talked about the Promise software. Oh, yes, yes. Scandal uh, thing that happened. There's a connection in this little web to that Promise software too, isn't there? And a bigger connection than you might think. So actually, I reviewed the notes of this site 
when you told me what we were going to talk about, I went back and looked at it just to make sure the whole Dying Corp page, you know, I was bulletproof with it. Thank you. And uh, I mean, that part stuck out to me and I looked at it and I thought, uh, looked more into that Pug Winokur little quote that's posted. And that is pretty mind boggling. Like, they had a lot more to deal with. Dying Core had a lot more to deal with Promise than I believe a lot of us could give it mm. credit for. And even creepily enough, they had more to do with artificial intelligence <laughs> than we realize. And like I said, they're even involved with satellite technologies and stuff like that. Parts of the Dying Core web are definitely part of the satellite community. So you wonder, like, they have a huge surveillance network going on that's pretty privatized and crazy but it gets deep they have about every channel there it could be you know when you think about it it's <laughs> <laughs> it's a bit of a clean sweep yeah it's a lot so another issue that always comes to mind in this sort of conversation is what's really being done about it i mean you and i can talk we can expose some facts to other regular folks but of course We'd like to see it go beyond that. David Seaman did tweet the other day that, quote, an investigation is underway at the federal level. Yes, I can't and won't say much else on this. But what else are you seeing? Do you see any signs of a real investigation here? I mean, top down, obviously not. Mm -hmm. We have the Clinton investigations being reopened. Anthony Weiner investigation is being reopened. So we're definitely seeing stuff like that. The Clinton mm -hmm. Global Initiative shut down, and they lost, the Clinton Foundation lost a ton of money, period. The New York Times is getting wrecked by their own hypocrisy. But really, in terms of physical change, I think a lot of it's happening on the grassroots level, bottom up. I mean, it's kind of third. They ended up not being, you know, at least to my knowledge, wholly related to the case, but there's been individuals who reached out to me over the course of this whole vote and everything that were victims themselves. And wow. this has deeply affected them. And they ended up, I know at least one who filed their own police report. And so I think like, because they finally got the courage to really be like, Hey, we're, we're all in this. If I need support, there's a community and so I think it has started a big shift in a consciousness like that. People are starting to maybe speak out more, be less afraid, I hope. I mean, you know, the mainstream media and everything doesn't do a good job of that and making us terrified all the time. But I do feel like people are starting to really, as individuals, move towards this. The effort is 24-7, never stops. There's always mm -hmm. someone. If I was need breaking news or someone, there could be a handful of people I could hit up right now. There's even people who wanted to live stream this so they could help me with any notes or anything. But I'm like, no. But you know, like there is a huge support network and people really trying to work on it. And it may be, I mean, you're not going to see one day, I think the whole federal government get investigated, but we might mm -hmm. get huge breakthroughs like contractor got shut down. Clinton Foundation, these certain organizations get shut down that were huge hubs and networks of it. And all this media and all this stuff about it, too, is even helping. It's obviously directly affecting their wallets. They're not getting as many investors. 
Mm-hmm. And that's progress right there. I'm not so much a pessimist. Maybe I'm too optimistic, but I definitely think there's still momentum. There's still people trying. There's still gripping, compelling material to work on. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that's inspiring. And man, that pretty much does it for my line of questioning and the major topics that I know about that we plan to discuss. But I like to make sure that we make a complete case when I have a guest here and we don't leave anything major on the table. Is there anything else more to say before we start wrapping it up? I mean, in terms of gripping breakthroughs, I mean, I told you about the MZM thing we're working on. Yeah. I'm starting to work with uh, the WikiLeaks research community, so our.wikileaks.org. So some of this Pizzagate information is starting to actually get taken fairly seriously. Hmm and scrutinized in a serious way. So yeah, people just don't lose hope. I think that's a big one. Reach out to us. Like I I take articles all the time. I read every single message I get on, on my eight million, you know, platforms. I'm on Gab and there's a handful of admins at the Pizzagate Wiki who will, will help you too. And don't stop trying. Be skeptical. Don't buy into everything you see. Don't trust everyone who's just throwing information up there, but look into it yourself. And yeah, honestly, don't be afraid, Like, especially if you're not doing anything illegal. Like 99% of us are simply reading stuff we found published mm-hmm. elsewhere, you know? There's nothing wrong with talking about a WikiLeaks email here and there. Right. But be safe and yeah, reach out. We got Riot Chat, the Wiki, Vote, like you said. They're not the best platforms, but if if you need to get more secure, there's always those too. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, there's a platform for everyone. <laughs> well said, man. I'm like a gab too. Right on. So I appreciate you being here, man. I know you represent quite a few anonymous, independent researchers, and I appreciate all of them. So I do want to say thanks across the board. And you guys are all doing some powerful work, dealing with not only the dangers of this type of investigation, but also the ridicule from fellow citizens who drink that official Kool-Aid. It's a sandwich that really sucks to be in sometimes, but it's part of doing the right thing, man. So I really do salute you for it. Real quick, remind people where to stay updated on Pizzagate. Any tips on navigating the Pizzagate wiki or how to contact you or anything else that's important before we close the books out? Yeah, so we're at HTTP. Pizzagate.wiki. That's the only site I run currently, so nobody claiming to be me. <laughs> Reach out to me at yeah, Rebel Scum. I try to keep my name the same between everything so folks can find me personally. Mm-hmm. So if you go to like Riot Chats, the Pizzagate Chats, for instance, will be on there. If you go to our activism page on the wiki, there will be a huge list of different communities like GitHub and um, such where collaborations are going on. But throw us a line on that Riot chat. There's definitely a few good chat alternatives we have uh, been working with that are a little more secure, like give a little more control to us as the users. Yeah, and just keep trying. Reach out to me at rebelscum, R-E-B-E-L-S-K-U-M, 338, at protonmail.com. If you want to like send me any encrypted or you know stuff you don't exactly want to be posting publicly, but I'm I'm always listening. 
So send me a line, send the Pizzagate Wiki a line. We'll we'll always be there. Right on. Well, Ryan, you are a fucking god among men. Definitely stay safe. I urge any listeners who enjoy similar podcasts to the Higher Side Chats, tell these other hosts that they need to get Ryan on. I do take stock in that idea that it's much safer to be all the way out there. And there is kind of a window where investigators are still relatively unknown. And that's kind of the most dangerous place to be. So, I don't know, just sending this show around even, especially to other shows, would be a great way, I think, to help and make it have a serious impact. But again, you're the goddamn man. Thanks again, and be careful out there, pimp. Yeah, thank you so much. It was an honor. You got it. All right, people. How was that for going deep down the rabbit hole? (laughs) I think I said a few episodes ago I was going to get away from the Pizzagate stuff a little bit until there was something new, but I definitely think this material qualifies. The genetic stuff, the DynCorp and Deagle stuff, that's a lot of new information for me. Again, big thanks to Ryan for putting himself out there and for building the Pizzagate wiki and keeping it alive. A lot of researchers are having problems in this area. Ben Swan was a reporter who did a segment on Pizzagate and went dark for about a week, only to come back and alter the direction of his segments and delete a lot of his social media. David Seaman has been saying some pretty wild stuff and seems to be having periods of being off the grid here and there. He was talking about the elite getting adrenochrome highs off the blood of terrified victims and that marijuana trichomes kind of work in a similar way, but that the blood high is far more intense. So that's interesting. That term adrenochrome is new to me, but definitely not the idea of the elite draining children of their blood or getting high on trauma. There's actually a lot of conspiracy researchers who have taken up the veganism or vegetarian mantle because they think that the factory farming industries are built around increasing that trauma and passing it on energetically to the consumer. I've also heard people talk about kosher butchering, which is basically just letting an animal bleed out from a throat cut, which maximizes its suffering. It's a slow, gruesome process. It's not totally related to the idea of the elite getting high on traumatized victims' blood, but there definitely seems to be some weird energy that can be transferred through increased trauma, increased torture. I don't know. I don't conclude that veganism or vegetarianism is the answer, but I do see those people's point. It's a worldview and position that I guess I respect, but it just ain't for me. I'm a meat guy. But a lot seems to be happening in the world, right? I mean, lots and lots of distractions being thrown at us. But if you stay focused, there are some really deep depths that are reaching huge audiences lately. Since recording this episode, I keep hearing about pedo busts and walls closing in on them, but I am skeptical of that stuff. We've heard that before. We might see a couple of fall guys, but to really flush out this entire network? I do think that's asking a lot. That gets into that, oh, they're coming to save us if we just keep waiting idea that I'm always very cautious to not get sucked into. Call me cynical. We'll just have to see, though. One weird thing is that I've been getting a decent amount of critics saying that Pizzagate is a right-wing thing, and I just don't see it that way. I see it as an elite establishment thing. I think the alt-right association is something that turns people off from digging deeper, kind of like the 
Keck Pepe thing. Another topic that I didn't really see as being about the alt-right or in support of the alt-right. It's about magic, and it's an exploration of chaos magic, of meme magic. But either way, last week's show was about owls because everything is so highly charged and polarized. I'm getting a little fatigued when it comes to topics that touch on things being talked about nonstop in the news cycle. Even if we are looking at it from different angles, just some of those buzzwords, each one is like a right cross to my energy level sometimes. So I'm sure there are some listeners that feel that same way and probably would appreciate some more off-the-beaten-path topics, and I'm just trying to say that I hear you. As an audience grows, it's a tough thing to thread a needle that everyone is happy with, but I just go with my gut. You've trusted me X amount of years, so let's stick together and keep doing this thing. So I guess I'm going to be trying to hop back and forth between the worlds in the next month or so. Definitely got some good stuff coming that I think you're really going to love. Oh, and the uh, THC Plus Forum. I have to bring that up again. It had some kinks, but they have been sorted out. And it is so, so, so nice, guys. If you're a Plus member, your username has been ported over to the forum system. But you have to click the Forgot Password link for your first time. And then it'll get sent to you, and then you're good. So it is a completely different system than the kind of THC plus management system, but it is so much better that way. The old forum system was too interconnected with the plus site, and it was a resource hog on the server. And I didn't want to go down that road. It's supposed to be a bonus feature. If it's making the show harder to listen to or slower, then that's defeating the whole purpose of what we're doing here. So now it's moved out entirely, and it's way more robust. You have a full profile, private messaging between users. You can write a public status and like and comment on things. It's really a full social media thing with most of the Facebook features that is private. It's just our little club. And it even has a media section for videos. So you can post presentations and documentaries. And they'll just be all cataloged nicely. And you can track their views and conversations can start around them. I posted two myself to get it started. One is the light bulb conspiracy, a documentary that I love. I'm having the creator of it, Cosima, on THC very soon. It's going to be great, but definitely check out the form. It's super slick. I'm going to be spending way less time on social media and more time in the forums. I am having those same kind of issues Marty Leeds has been having, Tracy Twyman has been having. Those problems that make you want to unplug from that system. And I'm sick of the advertising and just the algorithm not doing what I want it to do. Just the manipulation aspects of it. So this is a completely solid replacement for that. And it's only for THC fans. So we all have some really strange common bonds that are a great thing to celebrate. And if you've ever moderated a forum and might be interested in joining the small mod team in exchange for a Plus membership, get in touch with me. We'll work something out. Also, if you sign up for Plus, even for just a short time, you get a lifetime membership to the forums. I want it to be large and active, so that's our current setup. Sign up for Plus, get forum access for life. You're welcome. So I'm doing what I can to always make this thing better, always trying to give you more reasons to sign up for Plus, and the price never goes up. How about that? 
Of course, today's extra hour is full of good info too. We talk about the encryption being done on Podesta's email attachments and some things that have been found so far, like a weird owl symbol and a flag and some photos of Antarctica in a Chinese email. We also get into problems the investigators are having, resistance they're facing, a Dr. Pong location in Germany that might serve the same purpose as Comet Ping Pong, just how involved is the Clinton Foundation in all this? Where are their connections? Lots of interesting stuff. You know the drill. Just join up already. There is a sort of magic to where you put your money. Put it in the higher side and support the pursuit of truth in the darkest of places. And all that good stuff. I talk to so many people who say, Oh, dude, I love your show. Been listening forever. I'm always tempted to sign up at the end, but I just get lazy. Well, come on. Help me out. I can't do anything with lazy. You're listening to hours of content, take two minutes and double your higher side fun. It really would mean a lot. I'm lazy too, so I get it. The effort would be much appreciated, but that really does do it for me today. Your move, international child traffickers, genetic manipulators, and kid consumers. Your fucking move. Have a drink and a smoke. Listen to the cast. We shine a shiny spotlight. Put criminals on blast The pinstripe men of mourning And families of finance DuPont, Windsor, and Rothschild The kids don't stand a chance The kids don't The kids don't stand The kids don't stand a chance I said the kids don't the kids don't stand, the kids don't stand a chance. We're looking for the answer to questions never asked. So we come to the cartwood for the higher side chats. The pinstripe men of mourning and families of finance. DuPont, Windsor, and Rothschild. The kids don't stand a chance The kids don't The kids don't stand The kids don't stand a chance I said the kids don't The kids don't stand The kids don't stand a chance We try to get a glance We're working on the numbers Resistance must advance The pinstripe men of mourning And families of finance DuPont, Windsor, and Rothschild The kids don't stand a chance The kids don't the kids don't stand, the kids don't stand a chance. I said the kids don't, the kids don't stand, the kids don't stand a chance. The kids don't, the kids don't stand, the kids don't stand a chance. I said the kids don't, the kids don't stand, the kids don't stand a chance. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the first hour of the Higher Side Chats podcast with me, Greg Carlwood. If you don't know, there is a second hour to all the episodes we do around here. Generally, we're able to get a lot deeper into the topics and ideas that a guest is about, 
So if you enjoyed what you've heard from THC for free, consider signing up at thehiresidechatsplus.com to get the second hour of the five shows I put together each month. I never really wanted to be a paid subscriber podcast, but I really hate the idea of spending airtime promoting some product that's completely unrelated and telling you the best way to support the show is to buy an audiobook or new underwear by mail or something crazy like that. So instead, if you like the show, double your time with it for five bucks a month and let's cut out all the other shit. It's half the price of a movie ticket and you get at least an extra five hours of show a month. Collectively, it keeps us stable and it frees me from wasting your time with anything but the show you came to listen to. It's really the only way for an independent one-man show to make it, and I do what I can so that it's worth your while. Since we started this, I've always tried to use the subscriptions to improve the podcast and make signups more advantageous. It started with just a second hour for the main show, but now we've got a nice forum going where people can get deeper in conversation about the episodes with other listeners submit a candidate in the guest request thread, or share their own personal projects to get out of the soul-crushing 9-to-5 cog-in-the-wheel life on the entrepreneur's thread. The forum and the plus comments are always the first places I try to go for listener engagement, but it does get harder as the show gets more popular. Because of that, there's also a direct messaging feature that you can use to reach me through the plus site also. But beyond the form, if you like any of the music I've used for THC, most of it I've hired artists to make, and I provide it all as free downloads to Plus members too. So if you like a particular song you've heard close the show out recently, come get the MP3. I should also mention that if you don't like the idea of paying $5 recurring every month, I get that. You can buy three months, six months, or a year up front and just be done with it. I have plenty of listeners who send checks and money orders to the P.O. Box too, I try to make it as easy for people as I can, and you can read more about it on the sign-up page. Also, be sure to check out the FAQ help page on the Plus site if you have any questions or concerns about how to listen to a password-protected show on your devices. I've highlighted a lot of great solutions, and one of those would be the iPhone app that just recently hit the Apple App Store. A super kind and talented listener made it for us, and you can use it to stream or download either the free or the Plus show. If you're on Android, I'd use Pocket Casts or Podcast Addict and subscribe to the feed manually that way. I also try to throw in occasional bonus shows or Q&A shows, and I've got a few other weird ideas I might get to try out soon, but I give you all I can for five bucks, and I hope you'll at least give it a shot if you've listened to a few free shows and you find them unique or valuable. I know there's a lot of podcasts out there, and I'm just one of them. But if you have any questions, concerns, or comments about any of this, please get in touch with us at the Hireside Chats team at gmail.com. I also wanted to plug the Hireside newsletter I'm going to be putting out, totally free for anyone who wants to sign up at the main internet website for the show, thehiresidechats.com. You can also get on that email list through the Hireside Chats Facebook page. There's a button there as well. But the reason I'm doing this is because I get tons and tons of emails after a show goes up asking me about how I feel about a particular guest or topic, and the wrap-up isn't always the best place to do that, especially if I have anything negative to say. Sometimes the dust needs to settle, sometimes I need to hear feedback from you guys first. There are a lot of factors, but I usually have something to communicate to you, and I just don't get to do it. So on the first of the month, I plan to send out a little newsletter with my thoughts about the five shows the previous month, and talk to you about anything else that's on my mind or that's going on. And what's probably most enticing is that I'm going to give you some insight into at least one guest I have coming up in the month, which people have been begging for some posted schedule for a long time. I personally think I'd like the surprise. 
but sign up for the Higher Side newsletter. It's free. It comes out on the first of the month, and I won't waste your time with any other emails. And that's it. I appreciate you listening. I try to give alternative ideas and guests a fair shake on a high-quality podcast, expose some deep-level conspiracies without the yelling, and I hope to offer some inspiration that even though the system relentlessly suggests you should follow their blueprint to mediocrity, you can do your own thing and live a much happier life despite all the negativity in the world. So go ahead and treat yourself. Isn't it about time?